Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast. Today, I welcome my friend Stacy Hunky to the show as we dig into the importance of influence and tips for what we can do to increase our own. Stacy is the author of two books, Influence Redefined, Be the Leader You Were Meant to Be, Monday through Monday, and Yes, You Can, Everything You Need to Know from A to Z to Influence Others and Take Action. Her books provide practical and immediate skills and techniques that have given thousands the ability to enhance their influence. Her client list reads like the Dow, from Coca-Cola, FedEx, Kohl's, McDonald's, Pfizer, GE, you name it. She's been featured on Fox News, TEDx, and now she's chose to grace our amazing listeners. So today, we will be thinking big on how to help us influence others and take action Monday through Monday. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. Definitely want to you know welcome you to the to the podcast, and I know you were, you are going to add so much value to to my listeners right up my alley of what I truly am passionate about, and that's leadership, influence. But now now I got to say I, I've got kind of a a little chuckle on your book that your speaker coach name is Heckler. I. You caught that, and then you can't make this stuff up. I'm like, if I was a speaker coach, I'd say, you know, maybe Heckler is not not the best name to to, to go with. You know, that's yeah. that's the public speaking. That's the one that is like the worst thing I could think of is a heckler. So, oh man, and he's he's such a great guy, and I, I sometimes tease him and say, you know, I, I can use I use that for a little humor sometimes. So thanks for that. And I wanted to get into uh, get into your book. It's again, it, it's right up my alley of the stuff that I I absolutely love, and I I, I honestly want to pick your brain on the stuff that, the way that you have this laid out, and that the way you know what you present in the book is is fantastic. And and for me, I spent twenty you know twenty five years leading tech companies and leading technology groups, and influence. To me, influence is leadership. If, if you don't have influence, you, you might think you're a leader, but if you don't have the influence of your teams, of your company, you, you don't have you don't have anything. And that's now one of the other things I wanted to kind of get out of this is your the change that COVID has done. I it's got to have made a change within the with within the whole realm of, of leadership and within influence with this new kind of this new new society and i'm i'm actually so one of the things i love to do is i love to talk with entrepreneurs i love to talk with leadership what drove you to go out on your own and start doing this as as your company i think what really triggered it is back in the day early in my career i worked for an association i would hire speakers to speak at our events i was the mc i kick off the event i started to hang on their shirt tails just having them coach me at that point in my career, I was so young, I had no idea what I would even speak on, but I had them to kind of guide me. So it, it triggered it a little bit. What really pushed me over the edge was when I moved to Chicago, which is where I reside today, I worked for a company and we did presentation skills training. 
and they'd fly me all over the world. And I never could understand why would I teach someone how to present, but they're not even going to present formally for another month or two. This is absolutely a waste of time. And I started to really think about, it's not about turning this stuff on and turning it off. It's really, how do we present ourselves every day? And that's why I started, I started to build that message. I was still in corporate world when I was kind of going out there doing speaking engagements here and there. And I, I remember thinking to myself, all right, if I've got six months out of clients waiting, I'm going to quit my full-time job, my corporate job. And if the six months doesn't lead into anything else, living in Chicago, there's so many Starbucks. That really was my thinking. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I can always work at a Starbucks. If this doesn't work. I also, I never wanted to be... I don't know why 60 years old was always in my head. I never wanted to be age 60 and thinking, man, I should have did it. Should have, could have, would have, should have done it. And that, that I mean, not rocket science or earth shattering information here of why I did it. it. It was more of what I saw where there were biggest gaps, people being who they really weren't in meetings versus formal presentations, out to dinner, walking on the street. There, there just wasn't consistency with people. And I really started to watch people that were successful and thought, gosh, it's not so much how much they know. It's a combination of how much they know and really how they show up for every conversation. Right. And I just started to, you know, really look behind the scenes and figure out what are they doing and what are they not doing? Yeah. And that's, that, that is so big to be able to go and actually watch successful people and what they do. Now, there had to be a point, though, that where you were like... Scared to death. I mean, at some point, anybody that's an entrepreneur has to burn the bridges. They have to burn the ships. They have to, they have to finally make that decision to step away and go do what they're, what they're meant to do. And that, to me, that, that is one of the biggest decisions that people make. And sometimes it's forced. Sometimes, you know, it's a forced thing and sometimes it's not, but that's, I, I just love hearing the stories of people, how they yeah, start doing that, that. And it's, again, it's learning from successful people on what they did to, you know, accomplish what they, what they do. Yeah, isn't there, there's a famous quote by Jim Rohn that states, with success follows clues. Yes. And if there's one thing I really live by is watch successful people. I mean, successful people, much more effective and however you define a success than you are. So so not your friend down the street, Not don't listen to your friend down the street that is worse off than you? Don't, don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Someone that seems to be an expert in everything. You're like, how do they do that? Exactly. When you asked what, what, you know, was there a moment of you're just really scared or you fall on your face? I want to say a moment, like there's, there's a moment a lot. Yes. And I always tell anyone that's an entrepreneur or even the leaders that I mentor in the corporate world, I say to them, you've, you've got to fail. The only way, and we know this, but we don't do it all the time. The only way to really constantly grow is discomfort is the key metric to any success. It's failing, but the key is you've got to fail fast and don't step on the same landmine. Yep. Really recognizing what do you need to do next. And I think this whole six-month time frame that we've been sitting in has been a true test of many landmines that I've stepped on, but I also know that I can't sit still right now. Yeah. Like I've, I've got to just be trying everything to get to whatever the other side is. Yeah. And yeah, one of my friends has a analogy of, uh, if, if you see someone that's successful and it's a landmine, like you say, I want to take every single step and I don't want to deviate from their feet print anywhere through that land field because <laughs> if they made success by doing this step, that step, and that step, my success is probably going to be pretty good if I follow every 
every single step that they did exactly as they did it. Right. And, and really finding people that truly have done the journey. Because I think now where, where I struggle is any personal development that I've been doing over the last six months, because I think now is the time everyone should be focusing on your personal development because you may never get this time again. Absolutely. I hope, I hope we don't sometimes get this time again, but there's, there's so much out there right now. Everyone is a virtual trainer expert. Everyone is a coach expert. Everyone has the best program online and, and just be careful, like really watch the credentials of someone that's been doing this for a long time and who's consistent with what they're doing. Absolutely. And it's going to, this whole, uh, you know, last six months, it's, it, to me, it's going to bring out a tremendous amount of imagination. It's going to bring out a tremendous, we've, I've already seen so much from the technology side of, yeah. you know, now that we're forcing people to go remote and there's things for us to do, but it's still, even though it's remote, it's still, we still have to play by the same kind of rules. We still have to do, you know, there might be some technology in there, but we still have to do the same. We still have to do what we do. Mm -hmm. Now, what got you really into, you know, you were, you were in the speaking stuff, but what really got you into the influence and, and how important influence is? Really a period of time of working with leaders. You know, a lot of our one-on-one mentoring is C-suite. So director to the CEO. And I was always amazed. I spend quite a bit of time with them during this coaching process. So you get to know them personally and professionally. Once the door was closed, Sean, and they would unveil to me, I'm in this leadership position. However, I'm uncomfortable in meetings. No one's really given me the how-to of how to communicate with influence. I, I heard that a lot. Executive presence, I heard that a lot. Yeah. And I started to realize, wow, behind closed doors, there, that's when the truth comes out. And that's where the phrase where we started to push this whole our brand is you may not be as influential as you think you are. I realized that title and your comfort level, your years of experience, none of that suddenly gave you a badge of honor to say you're officially influential. Right. And it, so it really was just the feedback I was getting from a lot of the people that I was mentoring. You know, it's always been communication has always been my focus. It was more that influence executive presence that started to really evolve over the years through feedback from our clients and what they were experiencing. Right. So did you, uh, did you notice that? I mean, I know it happened to me when I started my first company and it was, you know, even after I made a lot of money selling that company, I still... I still had exactly what you were saying, that imposter syndrome that, and I don't know, I don't know if it's really an imposter syndrome or I didn't feel like I deserved to be where I, I was, even though I had made it, even though I had done that. And that's, uh, and I think that really does affect your influence. It's, it's there, There's so many layers to it. And that's what we all teach. There's so many layers to what influence is, but if we can break it down big picture, which is going to tie to this whole piece of confidence, to me, it's body language and messaging. They have to be consistent every time someone interacts with you. Yeah. How relevant is that today? It, frequently, within the last month, I've heard from a lot of our clients say, what has gone to etiquette? What's happened to etiquette? We've been here about six months in this situation and suddenly the reverse baseball caps are coming out. The concert <laughs> teachers are coming out, no shaving. It doesn't look like you've showered in days. Like all of this is starting to happen. And, and to me, this is the boardroom, right? 
It's just, we have to do it now out of our homes because what happens if your body language and messaging is not consistent in a virtual environment, what's going to happen to your reputation when you need to go back, whatever back is going to look like for you to an in-person conversation? Because this is what they remember. They remember you eating a burrito while you were trying to have a meeting. And I also, and, and, and now I'm also seeing a big trend where people aren't even using their video on their they're, on their right. zooms, they're they're not even using the video, and it's like it's like talking on the phone. You, and to me, communication, uh, most of it is from our physical being and how we, yeah. you know, we can still feel each other's energy, even though we're on screen right now. I can still feel your energy, and just because of the visual, the visual clues. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, we, <laughs> Sean. When you bring up the phone, sometimes I feel like, what, what's a phone? What, what do you mean by a phone call? <laughs> what, what's funny is I was I had to call someone the other week on my iPhone, I couldn't figure out, <laughs> I could, I'm like, okay, how do I actually call on this thing? I can't do it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it, comical to some degree, we have, as a company, we've been trying to get our clients to turn on their webcams for years. Because it was always this part of me where I thought as the company grew, I no longer could make in-person sales calls. It just, it wasn't feasible anymore. Even living in, you know, we've a lot of clients here in Chicago, it just wasn't feasible. And I always thought, well, this would make sense. We've got the technology. Let's turn on our webcams. We had a couple here and there. Now, I would say easily 95%, 96% will turn it on. What I have noticed in the last six months is this whole idea of communicating with empathy, which which is a silent part of influence that we haven't thought about in a while. I know some of my clients more than I have for the last 10 years that I've been in communication with them. It's silver linings, right? Just keep that. That's going to keep us all going forward to get through this. Finding the silver lining of, I know the relationships I've built with my clients in the six months, I don't think it would have happened without that webcam, without being in this position right now from a personal level. And I, I also, I also really believe that it's what helps us sell our work during a pandemic. What do you think are the biggest, I don't know, drivers of influence? Like what, what really, what, what really gives someone influence or what really drives the influence for you? Yeah, I know you, you might be relating to the book Influence Redefined, which is built off of a model. And if, if your listeners can think of a, a triangle right now, around the triangle, is three, three key drivers. And the first is feedback. Now it's not good, nice job, that was great. Everything everything was good. I mean, that is probably the biggest lie because someone may not have the confidence to really tell you the truth. When I say feedback, I mean, before we get on this call, perhaps I said to you, Sean, all right, would you give me feedback? And if it's something where we cannot, you cannot interactively coach me in this situation, then I tell you exactly what I want feedback on. You give me feedback after we're done recording. That, so that's key driver number one. And anytime, anytime someone says to you, good, nice job, it's not that you're not good. You, you can't do anything with that. Ask them, what is one thing I did where you gained the greatest impact, the greatest value, as well as what should I change? That, that's first key driver. The second is the deliberate practice. You have feedback, deliberate practice. Did you, Sean, did you see, I think this was back in April and being in Chicago, there was a documentary on Michael Jordan, Last Dance. I I did not get to see that. Got to watch it. You've got to watch it. So, so good. 
Well, during the documentary, at some point, Michael Jordan shares that every day he would do 1,000 shots. Every week he did 6,000 shots. And then he shared a quote that what gets rewarded in public gets practiced in private. Deliberate practice means every conversation. And I know where most of us are having a lot of Zoom, whatever your platform you're using in a day, every conversation you could be developing how you come across, your messaging, your right. brevity, your connection, your engagement. It's the idea of you, the more you can get to the golf course, the more you can get to the tennis court, that's improvement. It's momentum and repetition. It's not reading my book. It's not just watching this podcast. This is one step to now you have to physically go do it. The final one sits below. It's probably the toughest one, which ties to deliberate practice, and that's accountability. It's really putting together an accountability of what are you going to change? So, so I'm going to throw this out there. Let, let's test this out for your listeners. How about in the next 30 days? So by five o'clock on Friday of this week, depending on when you're watching this, sit down and write down in 30 days what you're willing to do to make sure that a day 30, you come across more influential. And, and you're going to have to define that. Does that mean you have more brevity? Are you more focused? You're not... You're not multitasking, whatever it is. So write it down and what you want to accomplish in day 30. Then you're going to backtrack on that calendar. What are you willing to do every week? Perhaps what are you willing to do every day to make sure that you're doing something to get you to day 30? And you know what happens at day 30? What's the next 30? See, you can, you can only be an effective leader if you put more focus in yourself first. And it's so tough for leaders because especially now I'm hearing everyone say, I've got 10 virtual calls in a day. And then at seven o'clock at night, now I'm catching up from all those calls. How do you think like relationships, relationship building goes into that, not only accountability to yourself, but accountability to your teams and accountability to what you're doing and your influence. How big is the relationship building with your, with your people? I mean, it's, I don't think you can have influence without having a relationship. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Because there, there's so much competition out there. Anyone can leave your company just like that and go to someone who is likable. Likeability yeah. to me is part of influence. The, the idea of accountability has really proven to us over the last six months. Prior to March, all of our work obviously was in person, our workshops and training. We had a hard time sometimes getting the leader to fully immerse themselves in our work with their team because they're flying everywhere. They're going to meetings. Right Now what we've noticed in the six months is every training that we've done virtually, every virtual experience we've created for our clients, a leader has sat in on everyone. And as a result, the accountability has still been there 30 days, 60 days. And now I'm to the point where I'm going to check in on a 90 day with some of them. I haven't seen that before to that level. You're seeing accountability, personal accountability of these leaders actually going up with this. And with their teams, because now that we're getting leaders to attend these training sessions with their teams, right. there's accountability. People are still practicing and using the skill sets 30 days, 60 days. Now, do you think there's a, a fear from a leader going to trainings with their 
teams with their subordinates. That's something that just pops in my mind that right. sometimes as, as a leader, it's hard to do some of these things, although we should, we're, we're, we, we should absolutely. But to me, mm-hmm. that's something that pops in my mind that it's harder for, to me, it's harder for a leader to go with his subordinates because it's like, I'm supposed to be the leader. I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm supposed to know everything. I'm supposed to know, right. you know how to do all this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the fear. It puts everyone on the same playing field. Now, a lot of it, Sean, is how we we deliver our work, where we don't care what your title is. <laughs> We're going to treat you and coach you <laughs> based on where your need is. What I have seen when a leader steps into training with their teams, or if they just do one-on-one mentoring with us and their teams know they're doing it, it allows that team to realize, wow, it's not just me. It doesn't matter what level you are. Everyone can improve how they communicate. Everyone needs to be constantly focusing on their influence. That this isn't a check a box. You're now influential forever. Right. It, it's a journey. Uh, I, I'm thinking of a quote right now, and I, I don't have it down word for word. The quote goes something like, "When you how does it? When you know it all, is the time when you will learn the most." And and you think about I mean the leaders that we we're very fortunate. If if people are coming to us especially our leaders who want one-on-one mentoring, they want it. And they are, they're open and they, they just let us go really deep and put them through an immersion. And you'll see these crazy results even after someone approaches you and you're thinking, gosh, they already have executive presence. What else am I going to give them? But th- those are the people that really, really make significant enhancements. So how much of your, do you see, so back even even i i would say even up to like 5 years ago but definitely like 15 20 years ago coaching was really if you were coached if you were in like an, an organ yeah. in corporate america and you were coached it was because you were a problem and you had to be coached it wasn't it, nowadays it's looked more as 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 yeah i want to get a coach i i need to develop coaches have, and mentors have absolutely changed my life over the years without a doubt are you seeing a change in the or the, I might have just had you know different glasses on that that it to me it seemed like the people in corporate America that were getting coaches were getting coaches so they would stop screwing up not yeah. to, not not to develop them and bring them to the best possible performance that they could get to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I've seen that definitely shift. Now I don't know, Sean. It's because the people that are coming to us are the ones that really want coaching. There, there's a couple. I mean, there, there's a still some an older school mentality if we're approached by a company and hey we need you to chain train our COO just as an example and that person may say to me I don't want anyone to know don't let anyone know <laughs> and that's where I come with the approach of oh man you start letting people know what this will do to your credibility and your trust they want to know that hey you support the development because if you don't support it and you don't communicate that you're getting developed there's no way that when you want to develop your team, they're not buying into it. And little, little does he know that the people already know the flaws. It's like, <laughs> the, you're true. You're, you're not, you know, true. they'll be happy because whether they say it or not, they already know the stuff that oh, they're so excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's usually surprisingly, you know, I go back to one of your questions of when did I know to focus on influence? I, I received these calls from clients or potential clients saying, hey, we've got this leader, super smart, really knows his or her stuff. However, we need them to be our next CFO. 
until they communi can communicate effectively, they're not getting promoted. And that That's still, that's a pretty common feedback we get from clients. This person, they're, they're super, super smart. I never hear them say they're super, super engaging. <laughs> never. It's always super, super smart. They have the credentials. They've got the years of experience. However, they don't connect. They don't engage. Like that's a hot one right now in this virtual environment. They have, they're different. They're different here than what they would be in the boardroom. We like them better when they were in person. You know, going back to going back to your book, you know, that to me, that goes back to, you know, I, I love how you do that pyramid. That pyramid is, is fantastic on, on yeah. how you how you build that and the elements that you have in that influence. And it starts to me, it starts off with that that self-awareness that you're talking about. They they have to have that. We have to have that self-awareness of. And when, when we go to someone that says, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody to me, that's that's step one. I mean, there's no self-awareness of. Yeah. To me, what people already know about them, they're not so pulling anybody. Well, we, we preach self, any of our clients that know us well, that's all we talk about is if you don't know, if you don't know how your listeners see and hear you, you are totally going off a of feeling. Yeah. And that, that also ties to this idea of, well, everyone says I'm good and I, I feel good. I know what to say. I've been doing this for a long time. I must be good. I'm thinking, Gosh, go go to an athlete's mindset, an actor, actress, theater, wh whatever it might be. They're so good because of everything that they do in private. And what's funny is you look at anybody that is successful at what they're doing, and I don't care if it's uh, sports, I don't care what it is. You see that's you you see that stuff that they do behind the scenes. Every one of them. Every one of them does that. You know, they might not show up in person, but if you, if yeah. I look any successful person that I've ever looked at, they are doing all that stuff behind the scenes. They are doing all of that work. They are constantly growing and constantly doing. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be amazing communicators. But I think the other piece of the work that people do behind the scenes, it also allows them to be consistent. Because it's one thing to practice before the big meeting it's another thing to be consistent with how people experience you all the time. Yeah. That to me is true influence. Yeah. To me, if you wait until you need it, it's too late. If, if you're, if you're trying to practice and do the thing when, when you need to do it, you're, you're, uh, you're behind the eight ball. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be successful. Right. And especially now. I mean, think about how many meetings everyone's having virtually. There's so much noise out there. That if people can tell you're just throwing it on and having a conversation with yourself, you are just another meeting. You have no influence. What's the biggest piece of advice you can give for that virtual environment? For you know, what's what's something that someone can do when they're doing the doing all these things virtual? Yeah, take up something that I did right away in March. I sat back and I made a long list of everything that I do when I'm in person the things that I get feedback on, the behaviors, how people experience me, that people like. I wrote, I wrote that all down. And I took a step back, Sean, I looked at it and I thought, how can I do this virtually? And realized I can do all of it. And what some people are doing is either they're cutting themselves off here or we see most of their ceiling or you know, there's constant movement, although they might be doing this in a boardroom meeting too. I'm not I'm not sure, right? 
or we don't turn our webcams on, biggest mistake. I mean, that that's just a no-brainer at this point. Really take a look at how are you in person? Like, what do people love about you? What's your your true self, your authenticity? And do it here. The, the, the kicker, though, is because you're now in this webcam and people are experiencing this fatigue, you've got to be that much more energetic. I believe you have to put more of an effort into pushing through that camera to really be able to connect and engage. Now that is, that, that's absolutely interesting because I would imagine, so almost like being on stage, if you're, if you're a speaker, you, you can't just do, you, you, you got to kind of overdo your movements and your gestures and your, your energy. So yeah. you're, you're saying it, it, uh, it, like on camera, I mean, you, you've got to actually go the extra mile to. I do. Yeah. Because, I mean, the fact that they agreed to accept your Zoom meeting, that, that's huge because they don't need to. You're another Zoom meeting on their calendar. Therefore, when they show up, I mean, this, this is not how you want to show up. And you've got your cat in your lap and a burrito <laughs> in the other hand. And, and I'm only sharing what I've seen. And I'm thinking, God, don't, don't waste people's time. Make it that when they see you on their calendar, they know that, all right, she'll be on time. She will end on time. There'll be action steps. I don't even have to bother trying to catch up on email because she's so interactive. It's those elements that's going to make you stand out from the crowd. And, and to me, if we can get this down in this virtual environment, where personally, I think this is so much harder than if you and I were sitting there in person, Sean, if you can do it here, imagine how much more effective you're going to be when we go back to doing more in person than when you came out beginning or in March. So you would actually be proud of me. I, I actually started wearing pants for these things. Well, <laughs> Did you see that interview on TV where they zoomed out and he's, he's got a jacket on his tie. He zooms out and he's got no pants. And I'm like, going, wow, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that's a whole you're, new, a whole exactly, new level. <laughs> exactly. It. Well, whole, and that, you know, that's like a whole nother issue. This whole of, I'm not saying you have to come in a suit and tie. And I just, I'm just saying your name's on everything that you do. Yeah. And the good news is, is you really get to decide the reputation that you create and just putting in an effort. And if, if that effort is only from the waist up that day, as long as you don't stand up, <laughs> And make it back. Yeah. And, you know, to me, if, if you are, if you haven't spent this last six months, at least trying to do, grow, trying to develop, trying to get better, there's never been a better time. I mean, if you're not doing it now, you know, to me, you've, you've never had it. You know, people say, I don't have time to do all this stuff. I don't have, if you haven't done it with all this time you've had, then it's not a time issue. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a, it's a me issue at that point. It is, yeah. I think yeah. when people start saying, oh, I don't have the time to, to focus on me, especially now, going off what you're saying, you need to reevaluate your life. I mean, because you're, you're the most important person. So to be able to really, you know, 24-7 Netflix is not going to <laughs> develop you. Absolutely but even, not. You know, I've heard throughout my career, 30 minutes a day read. Read something new. Do 30 minutes a day. Yeah. And you know that if you can get 30 minutes in, you'll find the extra 30. Yeah. And, and yeah. And it goes the same with, with, with our health, with, I mean, if we haven't spent this time to, to develop oh, in, in all areas, in yes. all areas, then yeah, it's, but it's Definitely been a tough time. House. Now, now do you think we're ever going to go back to normal or do you think this is going to be kind of a, <laughs> kind of the standard <laughs> moving forward? 
Well, first, if I hear the word normal one more time, <laughs> this is no offense to you, but you know what I mean. The new normal, yes. Yeah. Here, here's what I, and I'm just going off of what I hear my clients say. People are burned out and people are missing interaction. Whether you're an extrovert, you're an introvert, we're humans and we need some interaction. So I'm hearing that a lot, hearing people are ready to interact. I also hear, gosh, do we really need to fly our team from New York to LA for the day for a meeting? Mm, probably not. I bet we could do it this way. And from what I'm hearing from our clients is they're really taking a look at their structure of how they connect with their clients internally and externally, really identifying what can we keep doing virtual because we've, we've been able to do this and we've proved that it works. Right. What do we do though need to do in person? Because long-term, I mean, right now, if you look at a, if you look at a company, they've kind of built a culture. So, so that from in-person stuff, so you're, you've been in person for years or whatever, and, and you, you've built a culture and now you're remote and that's fine. Cause you kind of have that culture, you know, the people that you're dealing with, you know, yeah. them at a, on a personal level, but as churn happens and as things happen and new people come in, boy, if we don't have that, if we don't get back to the in-person, you're going to have companies that, that lose a lot of their culture. They'll lose the culture. Yeah. I was talking to one of our clients yesterday about this and they're doing really, really well. They've hired 400. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 400 people. And they said, but what's crazy about that is they've all been hired during this time frame. They've had no interaction with their, their office and their culture is really family oriented. And you walk in the building and you feel it. It's the, it's, I don't know how they're doing it. If they just have this level of motivation that comes through that entire building and exactly what you're saying, I'm like how suddenly you're going to, I would think you're going to start to impact negatively the culture to have any type of sustainability. Because even if even people who are there and had that culture, you start losing that if you've been away too long. So yeah, I think it'll be a combination of the two, but I think it'll be more effective. I think whatever we come out with is going to be a much more effective system. I think I'm hoping we take the best of remote and the Me best too. of in person and, and really. Me too, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talk up, my husband and I, we talk a lot about silver linings and what are you grateful for? And I think that that's something that's so, so important. Hopefully none of us forget that when. We're on the other side of this. One of the biggest silver linings talking about relationships is so much of my work now has gone international. And that, that is something I've wanted to do for so long. And I always, I never quite had the right platform or I thought, how do I travel there? And just, it adds another element. So when you look at that, I'm thinking about, does this grow relationships? Say for an example, an association that they now can hold these events internationally and, and create more networking there. I, I think there's just, there's definitely some possibility still knowing though, I still have clients that say, Oh, I miss, I miss going to our sales conference because the, the biggest value there was the hallway conversations, the evening get togethers, the social side. <laughs> yeah. They would see not so much the breakout sessions all the time. <laughs> and that's what we're doing here. We, we can do the learning through here. I don't know if anyone's really figured out to do that level of networking though, virtually as we can do it in person. No, and I've done a couple of, you know, virtual summits, big summits and things that I've done in live, same, same summit, yeah. which is now live. And it's just so, it is, you, you, you don't have that. It's, uh, uh, you get all the content and you get the learning, you get that, but you just don't yeah. have the, 
Or even have you noticed that as a participant in some of these virtuals that I've attended, they'll put me in a breakout room and there's how many other people in the breakout room and you just started to start some conversation and you got to be back out of the breakout room. That's right. And you're like, okay, that absolutely did nothing. <laughs> and then the next breakout room, they, they put you with different people. It's like, at least give me the same people so I can at least start to build a... <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you're even when you're doing the paired exercises or group exercises in a live event, there's something about sitting next to someone, quickly turning to them, and there's there's a little bit more of a relationship there. Yeah, to get value out of that exercise, that interaction versus the breakout rooms just don't give you that level of networking. So if you had besides your book, and and I'm going to put the link and everything on in the show notes of of the book, absolutely fantastic book. I I read a lot of leadership books and a lot of influence books. I I love like uh, uh, John Maxwell. I love, you know, I know you like uh, Darren Hardy, love Darren Hardy. He's, he's a great person to to listen to. And his his book is, is fantastic as well. What is, what besides your book, what is the most important book that you've read? I drank the Kool-Aid at a very young age and when I was starting in the corporate world with Tony Robbins. Like uh, I yep. I totally jumped on that bandwagon. And then I kind of drifted. And just over the last couple of years, I jumped on the bandwagon again. And in the last six months, I've done some of his events virtually. And now I've really jumped on the Kool-Aid again. So I, I got I have to say, any of his, you know, the, the power within, even if you've read it before, it, it's just so applicable now with he's taken his message that he's had throughout the years, but he's really has focused on his best comment is life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. It's our job to figure out why is it happening for us? That's why I think it's very practical. Now, if you can, whether Tony's your deal or not your jam, finding someone that really is focusing on keeping your head in the game during this time for you to come out stronger. And and Tony's stuff, it's just as valid today as it was 20 years yeah. ago. It's the same. I mean, it's just about, so, so did you go to his UPW virtual? I did. I did too. See, now that was- You, did? you were you, there? I was there. See, we didn't see each other in the halls. See? Exactly. That's, Sean, how crazy was that? What did that he was say? 20,000 on Zoom? 20 something thousand from a technology standpoint. So I, I've been in, in technology. My company that I owned was technology. So from a, I, I was strictly from a technology. I'm like going, oh, holy crap. This is just amazing what he was able to put together. Yeah, just, um, just amazing. Insane. Where I was even teased a little bit. I saw he's doing another UPW in November. Yeah. I was like, oh, I could do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And talk about immersion. I, I share with my friends what that was like. It was 12, 14-hour oh, days, God. four days in a row, yep. very little breaks. Yep. And I remember the first day thinking, all right, this is crazy. Am I really going to buy into this? And then you remember the first night at about 10, 10.30 at night, at least where I was sitting, well, you're Central Standard Time, yeah. when I feel like I can't take any more, we're chopping wood yeah. with our hands. Like it, <laughs> It's just it's insane. So insane. So there's a little pitch for Tony Robbins. Check it out. He's he has one coming up in November. Uh, and it was a fantastic event. I mean, it was, uh, but still not. I loved it. It was fantastic, but it still doesn't have this. Can't you imagine, Sean? No, did you have you ever gone to one of his live? No, events? I've never gone to one of his live. So I'm going to go I'm, next one. I'm next yes, time he does a live. I'm doing a live because I'm sitting here in my kitchen is where I watched him, and I thought, oh my, can you imagine if I am this? excited and jazzed over a virtual 
Imagine what it would be like in person. Afterwards, I got connected with one of his coaches and I was asking him about, is this Tony's thing moving forward? And he's like, he practically cuts me off. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Once it's okay for Tony to do live events, he's going live. Yeah, but he will never, I'm telling you, he will never stop doing that in between because it's, he's, he's already got the platform. He's got the, got it's the platform like, yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I mean by the hybrid with corporations. I think we've got the platform to be able to reach a significant group. Maybe it's a matter. I'm, I'm hoping companies are really looking at what is the best way based on what they're trying to achieve in a particular conversation, specific conversation. What's the best way to, to achieve connection, engagement, take the relationship to the next level and then decide, do I do virtual or do I go in person? Or a hybrid, both. Yep. Or absolutely. hybrid, yes. Although my my so my granddaughter was here during that, and she thought she she thinks I'm a she already thinks I'm a nut and I'm crazy now. Now she knows I'm a crazy nut. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, you get you get loud, you get loud, yeah. and you get. <laughs> you got oh gosh, I never. I mean. You, know, you you started at what time in the day and eleven thirty on a Saturday night and you're still jumping around just as motivated as you were at the beginning. Yep. Oh, it was it was fantastic. So uh good good times, good times. It was absolutely fantastic having you on. Everybody go if you have any inclination of influence, I'm telling you, go and get this book. Uh it it has I, I absolutely love the way that you lay it out. You put it in the pyramid, you have it it is a so I'm a graphic type person. I, I, I see things in graphics. I can read, read all that. And it won't make as much sense as going and looking at your picture of the triangle. I get more out of just looking at that without getting into the detail, but the way yes. you laid it out makes it so much, so much clearer for me and so much easier for me to go in and conceptualize it. So anybody, yeah. everybody that's, that's, that's listening, uh, fantastic book. It'll, it's going to be in the show notes. And I also want to put in, uh, put in the show notes you have, you know, delivering virtual meetings that don't suck. I want to put that in there because I love that. That, that is, and it's so, so appropriate. So I want to make sure that that goes in there as well. And I truly, I know you are extremely busy. You, you're doing some amazing stuff. So if, if you could do your keynotes, or your one-on-one, what would you, what, what, what's your, you, I, I'm, you have to love all of them or you wouldn't be doing them, but yeah, what is your, what yeah, is your number one passion on, on what you uh, do? Can I tell you what I love about both? Yeah, absolutely. Can I answer the question? No, absolutely. <laughs> so what I love about the keynote is the, the amount of people that I can impact at one time. Like I've reached a point in my career, we, we turned 18 years old in August of this year. I'm at the point where I just, this desire, I just want to help. Yeah. Therefore, this virtual environment has really been a struggle because I just don't feel like, oh, I can't get out there and really reach people. From a mentoring standpoint, selfishly, that's how I've developed over the years is learning from the leaders that I get to mentor, the friendships that I've created from that. And because I work with leaders over a period of time, true transformation happens and again, there's momentum and repetition. And when that light, when that light goes off on yeah. someone that you've been working on or working oh. with, it's just that that's kind of awesome. there's magic there that uh, when when you get to that when you get to that point. That is because we do you know we don't do brain surgery by any means. Nope. So to have that moment <laughs> where someone sends you an email years later and says, "I'm still following you" or "Still am applying," like there's just yeah, it's a feel good. Yeah. We all we all need that. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you're welcome. Thanks for trusting me with your with your listeners. Appreciate it.
It was so nice having Stacy on the show. Uh, please be sure to go check her out at her website at stacyhankeyink.com. Uh, it's in the show notes if you want the link. And if you enjoy influence and leadership, pick up a copy of her book, uh, Influence Redefined. It's an absolute great read. So pick that book up. And it means so much to me and the guests that if you enjoyed listening, please take a second and rate the show on iTunes. Every podcaster will tell you that iTunes reviews absolutely drives listeners to our shows. So please let me know your thoughts, and good or bad, and make sure you subscribe using your favorite podcast player. Until next week, remember to always think big.